I am, my name is Simon Law. I am a, a musician, a composer, songwriter, producer, educator, uh, also known as the Funky Ginger. Mm-hmm. Perhaps you'd like to ask me why I'm <laughs> called the Funky Ginger later why? on. Well, let, let me ask. Should you. we do that now? <laughs> <laughs> why are you? Why well, are you? I was in this this uh, group called Soul to Soul, and they all call themselves the Funky Dreads.
So what was the ginger going to call himself, huh? So I have to be very honest with you, Simon. <laughs> so the last time you were here, mm-hmm. so you've been here before, just not on my show. Mm-hmm. Um, you were um, uh, with Sammy Union, Union yeah. uh, with uh, Jen Schaefer. My partner, yep. yeah. And mm. the Shiners yes. with her band. Yeah. Uh, and you guys were performing in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sammy's going to me, yeah, Simon was in Soul to Soul. And I'm thinking in my head, that was a black band. I like, <laughs> and, and, I, and I'm looking this around. Dude is, this <laughs> dude is a ginger. He's white. What the yeah. hell? And so, really? He goes, yeah, yeah. And I go, he's scamming you. Fine. Okay, fine. He's <laughs> fine. Sure, sure. And so I go home. <laughs> And I and I say okay, sold the soul, yeah, back to life, yeah. But I remember that song. And so I go on and I'm watching the video, and I go, wait, pause. That must be him with the computer and the keys. Mm-hmm. That that must be. I go, oh my god, that is Simon. <laughs> so a long time ago. And yeah. then if you if you look at, uh, um, you don't look keep ginger on, though in the video. Keep, no, no, that was uh, that was a whole other thing you going did on there. To yeah. Your hair. Okay. Uh, and keep on moving. <laughs> yeah, there yeah. is. Um, a uh, video of Keep On Moving where I'm sitting at the piano, which is probably way more recognizable. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so now we know. Yes. The funky dreads. There had to be a funky. <laughs> yes. You had to call yourself the funky ginger. I, I remember to this day uh, announcing to Jazzy, yeah, this is my new name. And him having a good old chuckle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you never tried to grow the hair out? Oh, I did. Oh, I, absolutely. I did, man. Okay. I, I had hair down to my waist. Oh, my. Uh, until 2000, the year 2000. Oh, so like recent. And and I I then uh, I was starting to thin out. Okay. A lot much thinner now. Well, fair, fair. But uh, <laughs> I just decided, sorry, I can't keep this going any longer. <laughs> so uh, I'd cut it all off in the year 2000. But um, yeah, you know, it had uh, had big long ginger ponytail and whatever. Wow! Look at you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was doing some research and, uh, was it Trinidad you were born in? I wasn't or, born there, okay, but, um, yeah. we, I was born in Luton, uh, in the UK, but when uh-huh. I was two years old, my, yeah. my family, uh, moved to Trinidad. My father was an Anglican minister, okay. a minister of the church of England. Yeah. yeah. And he had a parish in Chaguanas in, uh, Trinidad, okay. which is a, a town anyone's familiar with, uh, Trinidad will know Chaguanas. And St. Thomas's Church was where my dad was the vicar ah. for four years, from okay. 63 till 67. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you, so you, I guess from, as a little kid, you, you grew up there. I, yeah, I remember it. Years. I remember it vividly. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, we left when I was seven and, um, excuse me, having a nice beer here. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but it, you know, vivid memories and very formative time, I think for me, you know, uh-huh. yeah. It is was there any uh, influence of music on you? Was was it like wow? This, oh, is, this th- is different. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think they could not could th- that that there's no way that could not happen as it okay. were. You know, I mean, okay. it's a it's a, a very rich place, Trinidad, for music. Mm-hmm. Um, home of soca, home of steel band, home of calypso. You know. Do you go still? Do you visit I went back in 2010, okay. which was uh, the, the most recent trip, and mm. it was um, actually met a couple of guys in Shigwarnas who used to be in my mother's steel pan orchestra, 
So this is an interesting story, which ah. sort of um, helps explain a little bit of, I think, a little bit of my life's uh, trajectory, mm. as it were. So mum was a professional singer okay. uh, with the BBC Singers. Um, and when she moved with two two small children, me and my younger brother Christopher, to, to Trinidad in two, in in 1963 mm -hmm. you know she her life had changed she would become a mother of a of an anglican minister you know and her yeah her, her um her professional life as a singer had totally changed and it was going to change wow so um but she ever the resourceful and enthusiast for life my mum sort of um formed a, a, an orchestra there, a steel pan orchestra. Mm -hmm. um, now, I can't... I think they were called the Galaxy. Or, I, you know what, I'm not sure about that. But there's a wonderful uh, encyclopedia book called The History of Pan, uh -huh. uh, which features my mum in it. Wow. And there's a couple of pictures of her with her orchestra. And the thing with, with that is that she... she um, she has a special place in the history of Pan there because she introduced sort of classical music. So the Pan Orchestra there yeah. were playing kind of works of really of um, Mozart, Beethoven, and whatever. Wow! And this blew everyone away in the yeah. early '60s. You know, it's like <laughs> with with the kind of steel pan vibe and the groove. But yeah. here we are, they're playing some playing Beethoven, Beethoven and whatever. So it 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 was really cool and. Um, but I, I remember, even now sitting here with you, I remember hearing them rehearsing underneath the house. Uh, uh, our, house had a, our house was raised on, um, on uh, pillars, mm. uh, the, the, the vicarage there in, in Shigwanis, and th they used to rehearse underneath sometimes. And, and I would remember hearing that beautiful, mellifluous, lilting sound of the, the steel pan orchestra playing. Huh. And... Um, so yeah, you know that that kind of um, that that music bug, I think, and and the the music that was all around on radio, car stereos, everything in 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 Trinidad is it's everywhere, you know. Sure. So part um, of the culture, I'm part honest. of the culture, deep deep part of the culture, like it is throughout the Caribbean, you know. Okay. Um, music plays such a strong role, hmm. you know, and uh, part of the culture, yeah. Did you, I, I know you're just a little boy, but um, did you take up any singing or instruments while you were there? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was singing, certainly. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if I sort of started playing any instruments then. Um, probably started playing piano, most definitely, because mum hmm. played the piano. And okay. she, when we moved back to England, I then uh, started uh, singing and playing the piano more. And then I eventually went to uh, Hereford Cathedral School, uh, which is a city in um, the west of central West England, Hereford. Uh, and that was a very intense time of um, learning music. You, you basically like a professional singer. If, you, if you're part of a, a um, cathedral choir in the UK, you're, mm. a, you're a professional singer as a kid. Um, wow. Uh, you know, you're sort of singing uh, every day, uh, 
um, after school a service in the church in, mm -hmm. in the cathedral three services on a Sunday rehearsing before school and whatever wow. it's a very intense kind of music and to a high level too. and are you learning how to read music yeah, yeah. as well yeah okay. all that stuff yeah oh, wow. but but uh, you know from uh, that was from age 9 to 14 Wow. and I think formed a very integral part of my musical life you yeah. know and um uh, I, I I didn't have a great time there because it was a boarding school which I didn't enjoy being at. But I remember the 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 uh, the musical part of it, the music in the cathedral, and the mm. singing, and the and the stuff that I was exposed to old old music, you know, medieval music, right up to m very modern, abstract, dissonant music, you know, mm -hmm. very and everything in between, very wide kind of. Uh, introduction and, and singing this music yeah. to a high level so yeah um i mean there was a there's a an incredible uh, festival that's held i think it's one of the oldest music festivals in europe mm. called the three choirs music festival and it's held between the three cathedral cities of hereford worcester and gloucester now this set festival goes back to medieval times wow and um but in that festival, we got to sing, you know, incredible music, stuff by Messiaen, uh, 20th century music, Benjamin Britten's War Requiem, and then ancient sort of uh, very, very, um, you know, Georgian chant. Uh, mm. Just very, uh, very, such a broad spectrum of music and harmonies and, and melody that uh, yeah. I think really at that age, at that sort of formative age, really kind of... Um, well, it blew my mind and yeah. inspired me greatly. Yeah. Did, were you playing any instruments at that time? Yeah, as I was well? piano playing. Piano yeah, I was playing? piano, okay. piano, With and the I started. Uh, no, no, no. This would be this would be I, as in the choir. I was just a singer, but yeah. um, a treble. You're called a treble at that age yeah. before your voice breaks. Yeah. Uh, you're basically singing a soprano part, but it's yes. that particular sound that uh, <clears throat> young young kids but at that well in that place it was mm -hmm. boys only but now you have girls it's yeah. just that that singing that high kind of rather pure voice yes um but um yeah uh, but i remember having actually the probably the worst this is a funny story i must recount this <laughs> yes, because because yeah. the piano teacher i had at that school was a horrible guy oh, hated no. him oh, yeah. my. he was an evil nasty guy <laughs> Uh, but um, I remember, you know, I basically decided, fuck, fuck this. I'm not going to go to these uh, lessons anymore. So uh -huh. I just stopped going, you know, and then it was sort of like a few terms later. My mom and dad were notified. Simon has not been attending any lessons and they were paying for paying. this. You know, and oh, it's no. like, so that that oh, stopped. You know, <laughs> I said, I, he's horrible. He because he used to uh, he used to have a ruler and sometimes we Smack your fingers down if you made a mistake, you know. Wow. On a, and he was just, a, and he had a, yeah, and he had a, a very sort of mean streak where he would, he would just uh, be very, um, really put you down, you know. Hmm. Um, so, so not, so not inspiring. I can so imagine, yeah. I, I think the, the thing is, I'm, I'm sort of known sometimes as a, as a, I'm a drummer really first and foremost, but a, a piano player as well. And, um, but pretty much, all the piano I've self-taught. I owe nothing to that Yo. fucker. <laughs> Fair enough. Anyway, moving on. At 14, your voice breaks? Is that what happens mm. that you left? 
Yeah, and then you're yeah. kicked out. That's <laughs> it, mate. Off That's you it. go. <laughs> yeah. God, we don't need you anymore. Yeah, it's there's pretty no, brutal, there's, really. There's no room for, like, a bass or... Uh, well, <laughs> you, yeah, your voice takes a while to sort of to get, get to there? that point. So oh my. you're sort of... You're dead meat for about a year, you know. <laughs> they don't want you. <laughs> so my, my son is in a choir. He's with uh, the Bach Children's Chorus. Okay. Out of uh, out of Scarborough. Nice, nice. Um, and, and, yeah, so he's, he's at that... Um, he's in choir, too, but he's got that treble... Voice. Treble voice, yeah. Um, and uh, but know, with boys, it's you know it's short lived. Yeah, yeah. You know? and and then you, it's it's funny because you see a bunch of boys in the younger ages, and then and then older, um, not as many boys. No, anymore. No. It's um, yeah. yeah. It's a shame. It's uh, it's sort of I think it's it's. Uh, it's the cool factor. It's not seen as particularly cool. It's not, but you I, know. my wife. So it's so my wife put him in for year one, right? And then ever since then, it's been his choice. And so now I think he's Good in his fourth, him. his fourth year. And the great thing uh, about it, I believe, um, is the ability for him to, whether he's a good singer or not, he's reading music. Yeah, he's learning to read music. Yeah. Um, and it's it's uh, it's something that you know at, at my age now, um, I've, I'm just learning how to play the ukulele. Mm. Uh, but he'll be able to take that skill, and whether he wants to learn another an instrument, mm. Mm. Um, I, think, I believe it's, it also helps with with other things. Oh, so so much so much does it do help with other things, Karim? I think it. They've, there's a lot of research about this. Actually, mm -hmm. people who play instruments, p kids who do. Music it really helps a lot with academics. It yeah. helps with focus. It helps with kind of appreciation of of a, a process of learning. You know, mm -hmm. um, um, but I think singing singing is so such a wonderful thing to do. There's a lot of research about this nowadays too. Um, how good it is for human beings to sing together. It really is mm. an amazing thing. You yeah. know, our bodies emit loads of oil endorphins it really makes us feel good it's very good for us you know yeah and um so as a as a kid doing that i think it's it's wonderful and um and a great way to learn the 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 nuts and bolts of music and how and harmony structure and mm -hmm. and you know um i the stuff i learned back then absolutely is always at play when i'm working on music except piano the guy who was teaching music. except piano except yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me what happens between the age of 14 you leave choir uh and and that space in between that and you starting to frequent the dance clubs yeah i suppose i i um so i finished i went to another school to finish high school i mm -hmm. uh, wasn't didn't really excel very much at academics at all. Actually, I had to have an extra year at high school to finish off. And then I went to teacher training college in London, mm. uh, where I where I remained living until uh, I moved to Canada in 2004. So I went oh, to my goodness. I went to college in 1980. Yeah, easy one to remember. Uh, so teacher training college trained as a um, as a as a primary school teacher, but already was very interested in loving um soul music funk mm -hmm. jazz funk uh just i was i was i was naturally drawn 
you know, the thing, the thing that really drew me in was grooves and rhythms. Mm. Uh, and I, I, you know, I saw, I was, I was a kind of um, a little bit of an oddball at school. You know how, I maybe not, it's not so much now where in, in high school for kids, but back then music really defined your um, niche or your, 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 personality your, your, even, your club or your, your, your yeah. sort of vibe that you were in. Yeah. You know, it really helped to define you so you're mm. into... You know, you're a soul boy, or yeah. you're into rock, or you're into punk, or you're yeah. into. And so, so for me, I was very into black music. I was very into soul music, funk. The funk was the thing that really mm. drew me in. And um, so, people like uh, you know, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Parliament, Funkadelic, jazz funk people like George Duke, Billy Cobham. Um, what was it then, about that music? I just think it's the grooves. I think okay. it's I think it's that it's that sort of I can't I I it's a hard thing to describe. It's just the the a feel in the music that makes you want to move, makes you want to dance. And that that's really why I think I started to seek out clubs where I could go dancing because I love dancing. Yeah. And you know, so when I arrived in London, I just would uh, listen there's a lot more on the radio of that kind of music. Mm. I uh, started listening, and then you, f you know, you you start to go out to clubs, and and then my eventually my sister, who has a sort of like-minded, had a like-minded love of the same sort of music, you know, she came along with her mates, and we'd all go out clubbing together, and that's mm -hmm. when we started going to Soul to Souls Club. Yeah, and what was that club called again? It was called it, it was Soul to Soul at the Africa Center. Africa Center in Covent Garden, yeah, oh. and I think that that sort of run ran from about maybe eighty. 86 to 88 89 hmm. is a very important when club. did when did you start writing and performing was that with soul to soul when you started no no or? i'd i'd started way before that um i mean writing in school uh in high school uh i think when i was in the choir that uh, i was talking about i wasn't really doing any original music then but okay. when i got to when i when my voice broke and i started sort of exploring mu music of my own as it were i started writing music fairly soon after that with a, a friend who i'm doing an album with now actually called shane rimmer mm. um uh guy from england um but he um you know we it, it was that sort of that was it was the kind of need to to find an expression through music mm -hmm. i i wasn't ma many musicians are really happy to to just play and perform other people's music and i think sure. that's that's wonderful you yeah. know that that's beautiful thing in its own right i i always had this inclination to want to do my own m write my own music mm -hmm. that doesn't stop me appreciating others music at all but i i had that deep need i still do to this day you know it's sort of it's the the most pleasurable part of the process to create yeah, yeah. and um exactly so the creative process is extremely important, and I think um, so. I was I was doing stuff from sort of uh, maybe around age seventeen onwards, and then uh, when I got to London, started meeting other people, uh, mm -hmm. and my my sister was very integral in all this actually too. So I I wrote stuff with my sister and with mm. Shane, this guy Shane I mentioned, some other folks. I met a guy called Ross Anderson. Who uh, who sadly passed away a couple of years ago, but a great great musician. Um, he was very informative in my sort of professional life. 
learnt a lot from Ross, and um, and he was he 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 helped in those early days of Soul to Soul as well. Um, yeah, so you know that 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 kind of uh, writing songs was very important to me performing and actually it was a song that joe and i wrote my sister joe and i wrote called city heat which city got heat. yeah which got signed to chrysalis records in the uk okay um what was the, did you guys have a name of we were called city heat so the song was ah. called city heat by ah. city heat i thought that was really smart you know like <laughs> double whammy boof, there you boof, go you know <laughs> You're not gonna forget that. You're not gonna that. forget that. <laughs> City Heat by who? Anyway, <laughs> people did forget it. Actually, <laughs> it wasn't one of my huge successes, but it was a means to an end. Um, yeah, but uh, what kind of song was it? It was a it was a kind of '80s kind of soul thing, but all, already hinting at kind of uh, there was a, a, a people might know of a of a, of a, a duo called Cold Cut from the UK. Yeah, a couple of DJs, but they did a lot of music. Uh, it was, you know, I saw myself very much in that same era. So we were going, we we were listening and going out dancing and hearing all the new sort of stuff, new hip hop that was coming through, Spoonie G, Public Enemy, I don't know, uh, you know, early De La Soul, I don't know, mm. stuff like that. You know, so I I was always interested in in a mixture of um, sampling and playing. I was, you know, it was always my interesting thing, thing that interested me. So grooves, samples, hip hop kind of element in the grooves, but also having some playing in there as well. Mm -hmm. Sweet melodies, you know, which was kind of the template of Soul to Soul, really, in the end, yeah. too. So that was something I was kind of working away at and then meeting Jazzy and and him liking our stuff. That led me to work with him and then that just exploded. None of us knew that that was going to explode, but it did. Yeah. And, and my career as a, as a producer kind of set off, you know. So t tell me about the, um, you know, bef before we started recording, we went to get a drink. And uh, you were telling me about a little bit of the story of, of, of African Centrance and Soul mm. to Soul. Mm. Tell, me, tell me about those Sunday nights. Well, they, they were very... Um, they were very important, I think, for many people, uh, me personally, certainly. Mm. But for many people, it was like Soul to Soul, before they made any records, were a, a collective of DJs with Jazzy B, mm -hmm. the, the sort of uh, the founder and the leader. I think the guy he founded it with was um, a fella called Daddy Harvey, who I used to know back then. There was another couple of guys called HB and uh, Jazzy Q. And those guys and some other fellas too, they, they had a sound system. The sound system idea is a, a Jamaican thing originally. It's you, you actually own the whole PA system. You mm -hmm. own the whole setup. You can take it down to any warehouse or anything and set up yeah. and you, you've got an instant uh, party you got an instant club sure, happening sure. so they they owned all that stuff they they you know they started off um i think they started off early 80s you know f out of high school doing mm -hmm. this stuff but um you know so they 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 were already doing pretty well in in london club scene and also the warehouse scene as well which were these sure. illegal parties yes. and legal raves uh which were held in in abandoned spaces which became a sort of um very integral part of what we all know now as 
well, people know call it EDM or yeah. or dance music or whatever. That that's a sort of the UK kind of uh, model there that happened. I think was very important in the whole evolution of dance music. You mm -hmm. know, and um, the sound system ideal of of a of a collective of people who got all the gear and they can just set up wherever, wherever there's a good want. space. Where there's a space, you know, decent and you, acoustics. Yeah, and, and you you just uh, you know you print up some flyers and you uh, you know there's no social media back then, so no. it's just you know you got to get the word out somehow. Yeah, and um, and people come and then that that word word spreads by by mouth really you know mm -hmm. these are the these are the greatest parties these have the, the best music the best dancers come down there the most beautiful women mm. the best you know just the most incredible scene and uh but leading it all was this kind of just just an amazing mix of music so funky so you had early house music you had hip-hop you had soul music rare groove which is uh mm which was a staple really of that time rare groove is was a, a whole thing happening in the uk at that time which was a real love of sort of 70s early 70s maybe late 60s through 70s funk music and the more rare the more undiscovered you know the better Mm. So there, the people something new. Yeah, these but these were old tunes, right? Mm. These were not brand new tunes. So yeah. the the new soul music that was coming out at that time was largely shunned. It was like the older stuff, these funky, you know, and all James Brown stuff, Parliament, um, you know, Herbie Hancock, um, I don't know, Ripple. Uh, side effect I don't know I could go Royers you know <laughs> these were the people's music that really inspired that sort of generation of club goers you know yeah and and many DJs now who become legends came out of that scene people like uh, Norman this is from the UK but Norman J Giles Peterson Jazzy B uh, you know Fat Boy Slim um, I don't know you, I, there are many many that wow. that sort of that was a very very it was so exciting you know it was so you felt like you were part of something that was really exploding and just in, so wow. joyous you know so what what was that i don't know whether it was a conversation or a meeting of the mind so jazzy be of soul to soul uh, and and city heats sort of coming to you know, that that coming together of mm. some like-minded like what how did that happen well, it, it happened in a very, um, very, very organic way. It's basically, I, I, Joe and I were going to the club because my sister Joe and I were going to the club with many others. And you, we were talking before, you know, there was usually many more people queuing outside to get in yeah. than, who, than who were in. It wasn't a big place, you yeah. know. I don't know what the capacity was, probably 400, 500. Yeah. But there was always way more than that queuing yeah. outside. Sure waiting for the odd stragglers to come out and then yeah. oh two more can go in yeah but um and sweat literally dripping off the ceilings you know mm. the dancing was it was a, such an intense vibe and like an amazing atmosphere to f an amazing place to experience music that you love mm. loud heavy mm -hmm. and you just lose yourself dancing you know it was all about dancing mm. in fact jazzy's <laughs> jazzy's catchphrase of that time was if you're not dancing fuck off <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> he would say that at, at sp- certain <coughs> certain times through the evening, you yeah. know, and it just became, you know, it's true, you know, and you you, you were shamed into if you were dancing, just, dancing, just fuck off home. Yeah, if yeah. you're not dancing, go on, off you go. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, it wasn't a sort of chill out place at all. No, no, you know? no, no. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, you know, how it happened is we made a record. Mm. And I told I told this story. I tell this story a lot. Like we played live many places, and I say to people that we played all the toilets of London. We played dives, horrible places, mm-hmm. and really got sort of nowhere. You know, we were doing it. Okay, we were kind of having fun, but <sighs> nothing's happening. Yeah. And then as soon as I met this fellow Ross Anderson I mentioned earlier, and uh, he had a studio, and I made our own record. And then I stuck that was and it was print it was um, pressed onto a, a twelve inch vinyl, which mm-hmm. was the thing at the time. Yeah, took that round to all the DJs and clubs that I admired, and f- and of course the person I admired, the club I admired the most, was Soul to Soul. Okay, Ga- I remember going in there. Yeah, having paid to get in. Yeah, you know, queued up early. Yeah, <laughs> got in. Yeah, taking it up to Jazzy, saying, "Man, this is a tune that we've just done." You know, he knew that I came to the club. Reese. Yeah. <laughs> you know regularly so okay I'll, I'll check it out yeah and uh then they started playing it and he had a radio show on pirate radio and he started playing it and then when he started to want to make records himself yeah. he called me up because wow. i because i because i'd done our own records yeah. so you know that's really the very natural organic way that it it happened and and we really had a we still do to this day a, a great creative relationship you know and spark of, each other what was the name of that record the first one yeah. that we did keep the, on the, moving the, no the one that you gave oh it was called city heat by city okay heat. so that was it yeah okay, that okay, was okay, yeah yeah that was it that yes. you gave him yes all right see, i so think someone's put it up on on youtube i'm, it's I'm not, gonna look for it's it it's not very good no. but it does have a it does have a james brown uh <laughs> sample in it yeah. yeah that we never got cleared so nope. shh so shh yeah <laughs> um and so you make Club Classics, right? Club Classics Volume One. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell me, tell me about Back to Life was the first hit off of that. Album. Well, it it, it wasn't was it actually. I mean, probably here in in um, North America, yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah. But in the UK, the first song to be successful from that for the from that album was mm-hmm. a tune called Fair Play. Okay. Which I actually had nothing to do with. That was the first song Soul to Soul did. Mm-hmm. Wicked tune so raw and dirty and funky um but the interesting thing was it featured background vocals from karen wheeler who uh who then went on to sing keep on moving and back to life ah, the two really big the hits. two big hits yeah incredible singer who i met and sort of had a great relationship too with and, and creative sort of uh, spark but um yeah, I mean, you know, it happened. It all happened very quickly, and uh, and and Jazzy was always calling me up last minute, saying, "Hey, can you make it over to this studio, that studio? Got this tune. Want some keyboards on it? Need to write a tune." And then we 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 would have these. I remember these sort of sit downs where we just sit down. I'd sit at the piano playing, and he'd just sort of have his book of lyric ideas and whatever and we just mm-hmm. fish around for things you know and just mm-hmm. bits and pieces would come up and then 
he was very uh, driven at that time to really create and, and make a, an album and put it together and it was and we th we I knew it the next step eh, from just playing other people's stuff yeah yeah to say yeah. Well, let's do one ourselves yeah yeah and um i think you know um we we still it's very interesting i was talking to him the other day and it's like you know still get very uh inspired talking to one another about music mm. i've just got a new tune from my album coming out yeah called look to the sky there's a blue lab beats remix of it and that's the tune from the album that features jazzy singing uh -huh. uh, speaking on it um but it's a song that originated as a soul to soul idea many years ago and then i i um we talked about it and i said i'd like to use it for my record but um you know, it's just, uh, and he was saying, I just love it, you know, and uh, this guy, this, I don't know if you're aware of this band from the UK called Blue Lab Beats, no. young kind of hip, hip hop, jazz, kind of fusion sort of group, very cool, cool guys. Um, I've been, I've been sort of checking them for a while and I really wanted them to remix something from my record and mm -hmm. they, they came up with this wicked remix and now it's getting, starting to get played a lot on radio over there. Uh, but you know that sort of vibe of creating music and yeah. uh, something fresh, something interesting, and that tune actually, the one I'm talking about, "Look to the Sky," has a very strong reggae kind of bass line. Mm -hmm. um, and the reggae played the reggae vibes, even though maybe they're not uh, obvious to the to the sort of. S s straight away as you listen there's a reggae approach to all of soul to soul's music and i think that's another area where we really kind of mm. struck a chord you know yeah is there new stuff like look to the sky is is that in the, in the same vein uh oh that yeah i mean there's uh there's a tune on there called morning love that yeah. karen karen wheeler sings which mm. is uh very um reminiscent i would say of soul to soul but okay. naturally so because that you know i i wrote it with karen and ah. and we sort of that's the sound that comes out pretty naturally <laughs> you okay. know it's not a contrived thing um but um and lane lane gray who's a, a fella i do a lot of songwriting with uh, my main collaborator these days uh he sings look to the sky and he sung many lead vocals on my album actually Mm. So that that album I'm referring to came out last year mm -hmm. in the UK. It was my first solo album. Never, After all never, these years, never never did a solo <laughs> album because I, I've actually been quite happy just sort of uh, working with working other folks with other people. Yeah, yeah. and being a bit behind the scenes. But yeah. um, one way or another, I got the opportunity to do it and you know put it together, and it's been really lovely, fantastic reception. Mm -hmm. You know, so really chuffed about that because I think. People can see a sort of a, a timeline there and a sort of creative, um, a creative flow, you know, of the ideas that that where I basically come from. Yeah. And my album is very probably probably uh, different to what a soul to soul album would sound like mm -hmm. because it's it's me kind of being very wide. But um, you know, there's certainly many elements to that that are very reminiscent of Soul to Soul. Nice. Uh, that's my input into the sound, you know, and the, the creative process. I don't, I don't want to leave Soul to Soul yet, I, and I want to get to a bunch of other things mm -hmm, that you've done. Mm -hmm. But back to life and keep on moving. Mm -hmm. Huge. 
Yeah, um, yeah. They... I can only speak for what happened here, but I mean, those songs were were, were massive. Mm. Um, album sold millions. Mm-hmm. Those songs sold millions. Mm. You guys win Grammy awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe you also won some. Uh, uh, British Music Awards, yeah, Songwriting Awards, yeah. Ivan Novello and ASCAP Awards, yeah. Like yeah. how going from here's here's a, a group of a collective of people, one of them coming from uh, the choirs of England, um, <laughs> an, 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 choir. another another the other group of people <laughs> are, are are spinning tunes in sweaty nightclubs. <laughs> um, how does that happen? Yeah, mm. you know what. I have no idea, really, except that that's the most beautiful thing about music. It, it draws people together. It has no... Uh, music has no boundaries, mm. no kind of barriers, um, no cultural barriers, you know. They're just... It just... It, if it flows, it flows, and mm. out comes... You know, I... I I think fusion of music, the fusions mm. of music, are where the real interesting stuff happens. Interesting. You know, not so interested. I mean, of course, pure pure forms of folk music and whatever are, are, are fascinating. In fact, all music is is fascinating to me. But when when you get really interesting fusions of music, mm-hmm. that's that's. I, I do sort of believe that there's pretty much nothing new under the sun. It's just how things come together. Mm. Different people collaborate. How yeah. a new a new sort of approach, a new expression is created. Mm-hmm. And um that was a that was a very beautiful time of that happening. Um one that I'm extremely grateful to be part of, you know. What goes through your minds because you you guys come together for the music. Um it's probably not in your head. This is going to be like the no, the, no, not at all. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're played on the radio, and that's and this is when radio mattered, right? Um, not so much these days, mm-hmm. but you guys have been mm-hmm. playing on the radio, uh, global f- hits, mm-hmm. uh, all these awards. Uh, you know, the first question was how did it happen, but more importantly, or or really, what I'm more interested in is is how do you guys deal with it and w- what goes through your minds when when all of this is is happening to you? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's it's uh, it's it's an amazing feeling, but it's also very kind of uh, very heady. You know, mm-hmm. I I think um, as a young man, for me certainly, I kind of for a while back there, I thought I could do no wrong, mm-hmm. and you know that's really <laughs> not a good place to be. Yeah, but. But it also afforded a lot of opportunities for me in my own right as a producer. Mm. Um, And I always knew that, you know, Soul to Soul was a fantastic opportunity and I'm still very much involved. But there was also lots of other things I had to do too, Mm. you know. So um, it was a wonderful... I think this is just the way... uh, not just music, actually, art works. You know, you kind of you create something, and it and if it if it resonates with people, mm-hmm. then other doors open, yeah. and off you go. You know, there's no master plan at all. There really isn't. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like studying um, medicine and at the end being a doctor and then go and get a job as a uh, and then you know whatever. It's not. It's not like that. This 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 life choice. It's very. 
um <laughs> it's very haphazard and you yeah. have to kind of trust that somehow <laughs> it will it will it will lead you to the next door you know yeah yeah um and uh, there are certainly times when when you feel like wow this is really hard i don't know how this mm. is going to go but is there pressure those, to to in those to it, write hits or is it just we're just yeah. going to make music well i think i think that's a very interesting question because i think to begin with there's no pressure at all because no, you're just doing just, it yeah. you're just doing it and then if you're fortunate to have some success it comes mm. your way that's when the pressure starts mm. it doesn't become easier then it becomes harder then yeah because you then suddenly feel oh wow uh i have to write another be able to write <coughs> another back to life i have to be able to yeah you know and if i don't if the thing the next thing i do mm -hmm. isn't quite so successful mm -hmm. oh dear you know people start to quit or oh, maybe he maybe doesn't quite you know so it's it's a very it, it's taken me a long time in my in my life to sort of reach a, a place where an equilibrium where you know you know that <laughs> you know that you're vaguely going in the right direction yeah but you know you're also going to go down some some cul-de-sacs you're going to get stuck down mm. some some um what do they call them you know uh dead end streets you know but is there like you know so you talk about a journey but is mm. there like an what is there an end point or no is it just a I don't journey? I don't think there is an end point no <laughs> I don't think yeah. I and I and I I I something made me think about this the other, oh I know what it was it was um I'm a great lover of Steely Dan's music uh -huh. wonderful rich complicated but beautiful kind of uh, just incredible music but uh, Walter Becker of that band mm -hmm. died last year and it was it was very sad um, but you know it 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 he he there was something he he said about it where it's it's just it's just it really is just a journey and you're just kind of you're kind of sort of hanging on for dear life really mm. but you you're sort of you kind of know that you that you have something to offer you you've got some spark you've got something to offer you yeah. know and so you go in and you just try and and do your best work and make make good art you know mm. and um and after that, you don't know whether it's going to connect with people. Sometimes they go, "No, no, no way! I can't." You know, pe public reaction, or even your e even your spouse or your <laughs> nearest person. What the hell are you on? That's that's no one's going to like that. Yeah. But somehow you vaguely stay in the right direction, you mm -hmm. know, and you just uh, cobble it together. Interesting. Um, I was listening to um, the Rolling Stones podcast, mm. and. Um, they had um, the new incarnation of Fleetwood Mac right. on there because Lindsey Buckingham has been, I don't know, did he quit or did he get fired? I don't think, yeah, I think he got, didn't want to, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. I have to say, I really, I love their music. But I think the, he, he, he just, uh, <laughs> from what I know, he just, you know, he, he had some, some conditions on, on touring and when he, when he could do it and when he yeah. couldn't. And the rest of the band said, well, Hey, it's a democratic vote. Weird. There's more of us who want to yeah. do this. And so sorry, mate. It's Off we go. You're, you're Fair enough. I mean, you know. I, I, I saw them uh, in concert once. And um, first I was floored all the hits that they've had. 
Um, especially that one album, Rumors. It was like oh. every single song on there. Mm. Um, but number two, Lin- what a guitarist. Oh, man. What a dude. Like no He's pit. a legend. He's amazing. He's a legend. Yeah. And when I heard he's, I go, what? He's out? Like, what? How do you? <laughs> well, I... I think yeah I'm not I I haven't bought tickets or whatever but yeah. I I I'd still be interested to see them but it would be Fleetwood Mac light yeah you know Lindsey Buckingham to me and Stevie Nicks are the kind of um but Lindsey Buckingham is the kind of grist to the mill mm you know yeah so Stevie Nicks said I mean she she had a quote on there and it's not verbatim but she says something to the effect of it's very hard making albums and you're always going to lose money on it. And she's probably talking now. Mm, um, mm. And she'd rather go on tour. Um, and so I say, I want the, the question, Simon, that I want to ask you um, is how has the, the, the business of music mm. changed? Fundamentally changed, man. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's interesting that Stevie Nicks says that because... I think in their heyday, touring was was fun, but it was really a means to promote the album and mm. sales of the record. Exactly, yeah. Now it's absolutely pretty much opposite. Mm-hmm. The sales of the record mean diddly squat. Mm-hmm. I mean, people listen on Spotify, on Apple Music, you know, for which us as the creators get a pittance. Mm-hmm. The record companies get a lot. Hmm. So the only way the musicians can make some <clears throat> money and actually kind of uh, make a living, I mean, obviously people of this stature, yeah, they don't need to worry about making a living, but mm-hmm. but at least they see a sort of return for their work. Yeah. Um, yeah, playing live is the thing, and if you're a band like Fleetwood Mac, you can sell out a world tour. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a lot of money yeah. and you're going to be, you're going to have a lot of fun and you're going to feel a f- sense of fulfillment from, hmm. from going out there playing, you know, to fans who, who love your music. The, it, it's, it's really, I, I've lived through and, and they have too lived through a, a time where it's all just, you know, imagine your world just turning upside down. Mm-hmm. So everything that you did before uh all that effort and creative um like she says making a record is very hard yeah making making a piece of art that you Mm. want to present to the world yeah it's hard yeah beautiful process but it's you you don't want to put something out that's half half Mm -hmm. done uh so yeah i mean it's um it's an interesting thing and it's i think uh it's interesting how some of these great acts and groups from the from yesteryear are approaching this. Steely Dan are a, are an interesting um, uh, Earth, Wind and Fire, who are my all-time mm-hmm. favorite group, and I worked with Maurice years ago. Um, but um, you know they they are outperforming a lot mm-hmm. and now getting incredible. Uh, it's like almost a second heyday for them, you know? Mm-hmm. Same with Fleetwood Mac, same with Steely Dan. Yeah. People, a whole new generation of younger fans are discovering what incredible, powerful music this is. You Absolutely. Know? 
You you mentioned uh, Maurice White. He was uh, I read he was a mentor. Yeah, a huge yours. mentor to me. T- yeah. Tell me about that relationship between you and Maurice. Well, I mean, I I, I, I sort of sometimes worry I overplay it too much, but I I. I the thing is, I, I listened to Earth... I'm getting a little weepy thinking about this. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know, I listened to Earth, Wind & Fire's music and it spoke to me so so powerfully from probably around the age of 15 and inspired me greatly. And um, and then with the success later on I had with Soul to Soul, he, he approached me to come out and write some songs with him. Wow. Um, so, and to me, Maurice, uh, incredibly humble man, but he, the things that Earth, Wind & Fire achieved in their career, well, they're still legendary and, and so um, influential on, on, on music. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they were the first to do many, many things that then became de rigueur, you know, for Michael Jackson, for rock yeah. bands, and uh, Earth, Wind & Fire really pioneered a whole style of performance and production as well, you know. Um, but even more so than that, Maurice's vision for his band to create music that he called it spectrum music, which was music that had all kind of music in it, you mm. know, gospel, soul, funk, yeah. pop, jazz, Everything, all that's infused in Earth, Wind & Fire's music. Mm -hmm. There's an incredible, you know, don't, I'm not just talking about the hit singles, you know. If if you're interested in anyone listening, I urge you to go back and listen to some of those earlier albums. You know, they are very rich and reward endless listening. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Anyway, so so to get this call from Maurice was, um, I say to people, is like getting call from God. Hey, <laughs> hey, come on, come over for a couple of weeks. You know, <laughs> help me um, create some. Uh, well, what would God say? You know. Hello. <laughs> anyway, it really was a bit like that, you know, and uh, I was pretty nervous, but it was a most enjoyable and incredibly uh, rich time for me learning. You know. Mm-hmm. And it was in the early stages of his Parkinson's, which sadly in the end mm. he died from. But um, he was still very, very creative and very, uh, such a, a lover of life, such a, a, a sort of an enthusiast, such a joyful man, you know. Um, I just, uh, I was super inspired and... Uh, and thinking back to those times often really uh, sustains and kind of um, inspires me to this day. You know. Wow. You've you've collaborated with so many people. Um, Maxi Priest, uh, Shabaranks, mm-hmm. um, and now you've you've sort of um, when the the first, when we had met you were playing with uh, Jen Schaefer who's your partner yeah. <clears throat> and her band the Shiners yeah um very different music like yeah. to me the way i uh, maybe yeah. maybe you see very similarities um you're very eclectic in sort of the the things that you get yourself uh involved in in mm-hmm. terms of uh, musically mm-hmm. um you know tell me about that sort of music and, and, and that mm. recent album that came out or well, EP, uh, I think, right? Uh, no, th- that was a full-length full album, album okay. Games We Play, yeah. yeah. And that's our second record of, mm. of this band here in Toronto that I'm in, a part of. And I produce 
the albums too. Um, it's a very precious, uh, wonderful group of musicians that I, I've been playing with for 10 years now. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, Jen is an incredibly talented songwriter, somebody I, uh, early on from meeting, re recognized this. And, you know, I don't... I, I, I don't see it often. A, a real uh, extraordinary talent for um, songwriting, which is in 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 this business, music business, it, the song is is the key, really. You know, uh, first and foremost, it's the it's the nuts and bolts of everything. You know, mm. if the song works, yeah, then everything else can kind of fall into place. All right. But if the songs are kind of eh then you know it's it's difficult mm -hmm. so uh and uh yeah it's it's a it's a it's lovely to be part of a band you yeah. know i love being part of a band all right um and uh yeah people people will um sometimes sort of be surprised about uh, you know me being involved in a more folk rock yeah band but you see to me it's like music is just um I had a lovely interaction with a real hero of mine on Twitter the other uh -huh. day. Andy Partridge, I don't know, you might not know who he is, but there was a band called XTC from the UK. Mm -hmm. Rings a bell, yeah. Uh, lo lots of hits they had in the 80s. You're only making plans for Nigel. Senses working overtime. Uh, generals and majors. Dear God. Oh, Andy Partridge is a bit of a legend uh, to... To many people, incredible uh, songwriter and band leader. So, yeah, I mean, I and he, we had this interesting little, uh, you know. To me, again, it was like suddenly I'm, I, I sort of commented on something he said on Twitter, and yeah. oh, yeah, he, he's responded. Okay, cool. And um, but yeah, it was just that music is uh, and and sounds actually, you know, they're all kind of. He said something like, "All all songs, all music is valuable." Okay. You know, you kind of you can draw something from everything, you mm -hmm. know, and you can be inspired by everything around you. Sure. And I really, I really sort of, uh, I, I think I, I sort of understood why I felt a kindred spirit with this guy, mm -hmm. uh, because he, he he's coming on from the same wavelength as me. I I, I you know, I I um, Jen Schaefer and the Shiners, our band here in Toronto, we just. Um, we do our own thing. Mm -hmm. There is no kind of, there is no buddy saying, oh, you can't, oh, no, that's too, uh, you mm -hmm. can't do that. That's that's out of your jurisdiction. You, yeah. Oh, no, that's too funky. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, that's too, you know, there's not, nothing. Yeah. It's just we're just following our noses. And that's uh, a really beautiful, precious thing. You that's know? awesome. Yeah. You're, I think off the top, you, you, uh, describe yourself as a, I think, a teacher, right? Educator, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. um, you're involved in a ton of stuff, or have been, um, whether it's whether it's with, um, you know, Jackman Public School, George Webster, mm -hmm. uh, the downtown Jewish Day School. I think mm -hmm. you've, you've taught I some taught, stuff. I was teaching uh, middle school uh, music there for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you were like just the and I started. Class? Okay. I started life as a, a primary school teacher right. in England. Yeah. Um, uh, Links Primary School in Tooting. 
for all of those listeners from the UK. Who tooting rings a bell. Toot, I think tooting I've got in South London, yeah. I think I've tooting, got family yeah. there. Or tooting Broadway. To. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, so you, you went back to teaching. Yeah, I, I did for a while. I mean, it, you know, it's just like many musicians, um, we, we've had to diversify. Going back to what you said, how the music business has mm. changed, you know. Yeah. You, you kind of have to find a way to sort of um, pull it all together. And um, I think I, I enjoy teaching. The, the part of, uh, well, I, I, I know I enjoy teaching. I love sharing what I know. And... Um, but what I've found mo more recently is I do uh, quite a lot of work at uh, the Dots a Bit of Wellness Academy, and that's for people with yeah. uh, dementia. Tell me about people that. People living with dementia. So music and brings people together and, um, and can really uh, inspire and, and lift people up. Mm. In fact, Maurice, Maurice White of Earth, Wind & Fire yeah. would talk about... Um, their music as being medicine. He wanted their music to be medicine. Mm. That was his vision for the for the group. Wow. It wasn't just a sort of a a, a little idea. It mm -hmm. was the actual mission statement, if you hmm. like it. So you know, and I I really see. Uh, so so working. Uh, it's here in Toronto. It's a, a place, um, a day center for folks with living with dementia, Alzheimer's, memory loss. And um, my father, who died recently, had Alzheimer's for 20 years. And, um, and it was a very long, long process and long journey for him. And it inspired me also to sort of seeing really how music still spoke to him and lifted him. Even when his mind was so sort of disintegrated, hmm. music could still reach him. Wow. It really sort of, when this opportunity came to work at Dots A Bit Of Wellness Academy, I, I took it and I've been there for five years now. I'm there a couple of days a week, if not three days a week. And um, and I love it. I really love it. It's mm. sort of almost, it's it sort of, it almost shows the true meaning of music to me. Mm. How music can really speak to people and what, what are the best parts of music, how they can really reach a person even when their mind is starting to, to disintegrate and their memory is going and they're so confused and maybe very, very um, distressed. Music can really speak very, very powerfully and hmm. transformative in a transformative way to folks like that. That's amazing. So it's a it's a lovely thing to do, and yeah. I, I I love it very much. It's, and it, and it's very inspiring as well. It inspires my work as a professional musician too, mm -hmm. you know, in a creative way. So you've got the Shiners. Um, you've got this uh, not so new album, "Look to the Sky." Mm -hmm. um, what's what's next for the Funky Ginger? I'm doing a uh, so so in the music business we have um, a thing called production music, which okay. is music that you create for films, television, mm. ads. Okay. And um, so my publisher, which has been uh, the same since um, I think '89, Sony ATV originally EMI Publishing, but now Sony ATV. Uh, have a, a department that's dedicated to this and it's a 
massive company globally. So when you create this music, it then gets sort of marketed throughout the world to all the music supervisors in ads, oh, TV, wow. films, to use that music there. So I'm doing yeah. a, an album. I'm just sort of getting to completion of it, of reggae music. Uh-huh. It's classic sort of reggae vibes. So yeah. think of um, music of the 70s, you know, obviously Bob Marley, Peter Tosh, uh, you know, uh, Steel Pulse from the UK, uh, Dennis Brown, you know, all the Black Uhuru, the classic kind of reggae sound of the 70s. I'm doing a, an album of that kind of material, wow. which is pure joy for me. Yeah. Because I, I love that music so much. <laughs> so I'm sort of, I'm recreating that vibe, you know, with a 10 tunes. So that's what I'm engaged in right now. And then um, probably sort of around the end of May, I'm going to start an album with my friend Shane Rimmer, who's a very early collaborator I had. Mm-hmm. And that's his band is called um, Marlene Dali. Okay. A UK band that I'm going to work on their first album. So um, that's what's on the agenda right now for me. Busy man. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Simon, thanks so much for coming in. Um, Thank you very much, Karim. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Listen, before I let you go, I just want to let uh, our listeners know what is happening um, uh, here at uh, the Welcome Podcast. So, again, thanks so much uh, to everyone for listening. Um, You can find out more about Simon Law. You can follow him on Twitter. He's very engaged. uh, At The Funky Ginger. Um, And your website? FunkyGinger.com. FunkyGinger.com. You could listen to more cool stuff out of this podcast and many others. Um, GirthRadio.com. Alyssa Santiago, who is a a host here, just interviewed uh, the people behind Transformer, which did really, really well at the Toronto Hot Dogs Festival. So go check out uh, that episode. Uh, you can find out more about me and everyone I've been speaking to at uh, kareemkanji.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at kareemkanji.com. If you enjoyed this episode, you might also enjoy an earlier one I did uh, not too long ago, episode 123. That's with uh, John Bernard, who is the uh, director and producer of the documentary Backman about uh, uh, Randy Backman from uh, BTO. Yeah, Overdrive. and uh, before that, the and Guess Who, The Guess right? Who. Yeah, uh, so legend. Thank, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Simon, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Kareem. Been a pleasure.